Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined on the line by Rob Cassidy. Rob, down in uh, beautiful Miami. I just returned home from uh, very snowy Columbus. So how's the, how's the weather down there in South Florida? It is uh, very South Florida-esque. Um, <laughs> it's, it doesn't change much around here. It's about 85, and, you know, it's uh, it's great. I noticed I tweeted a picture of the snowy field, and I, ha- I think one of the Miami coaches even replied to me saying, like, Oh, it's it's nice down here in Miami or whatever. It's amazing how uh, the Hurricanes coaches never miss an opportunity to uh, drop in that weather humble brag or whatever. No, that's kind of what they're recruiting on, though, right? When your stadium is like 45 minutes away from campus. But, hey, you got palm trees and sunshine, so that's nice. Yeah, that's true. That's true, exactly. Um, so, you know, this is, is another edition. We want to remind you, of course, uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can find us on Commitment Issues. Uh, you can email us anytime, uh, rivalspodcast at yahoo.com, and uh, find us on Twitter at rivalspodcast. We continue to try to uh, keep those reviews coming in, bump the numbers, tell a friend, et cetera. You know, I haven't uh, checked that email in a while, so it's possible that, like, the good people at Yeti or, like, some other giant company has reached out trying to give us money, and uh, it's... It's just falling on deaf ears. Have you looked in there in a while? Or just people telling uh, us we're, it's also probably just people telling us we're idiots. Yeah, I check it every once in a while, but uh we did have a few people reach out uh a while ago. I should follow up now that we're past signing day and everything. But uh let's get right into it. Let's get into some some topics that people want to talk about. Uh last week we talked about satellite camps on the show, which I said they were stupid, which I will uh, elaborate on a little bit more after this. But all hell broke loose shortly after the podcast came out, I believe the next day. The NCAA says, not only can you have no satellite camps, coaches cannot coach at events off campus. Now, this people might you know kind of get the two things confused and say, I saw a lot of, oh, this is the Jim Harbaugh rule. But uh, all these schools, and even down there, I believe you went to one down in South Florida last year, they have events where they invited multiple coaching staffs. I think it was after June 1st or something like that. They could attend. So, like, these training groups, there was a big one in Michigan called uh, Sound Mind, Sound Body, or one of the, op- the other way around. I don't know. You're right. It's Sound, Sound Mind, something. Sound Body. I wasn't sure if it was Sound Body, Sound Mind. But uh, yeah, I have neither. So, <laughs> so they would invite basically – uh, every coaching staff from the Big Ten would be there to work their camp, allegedly, uh, which I don't think they got paid. I think it's technically a, a nonprofit, so they've essentially volunteered their time. But they would have a media session. They would be at the camp coaching kids up, and they're getting FaceTime with all the kids. So this is not just you know, the Michigan or Nebraska or Penn State staffs moving around. This is taking that rule a step further and eliminating those camps. So... Let's talk about that first, Rob. What did you think about kind of the sweeping decision to just get rid of all of it? I understand both sides. Like, it really depends who you are, I think. And, you know, I've said this on a lot of episodes of this podcast. I'm uh, really for looking out for number one. Um, I understand why prospects are upset about it because they view it as an opportunity lost. Uh, You know, if Michigan's going to come down in your neck of the woods and hold a camp, uh, you know, that's just another opportunity for you to, air quotes, earn a scholarship uh, to that school, even though that does not happen that often. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> a guy going in unnoticed and winning a scholarship happens, but it's few and far between. I understand why people like me don't really mind because it's less events for me to cover. And then I understand why some college coaches want it and some don't. I think that, you know, you fall into two camps there. You're either 
the coaches that want to have these where they're in recruiting areas that maybe don't have as much talent so they can get the product in front of uh, some other highly ranked recruits and maybe discover, a, you know, an unsung prospect or two. But mainly the motivation is to get your name out there in front of the recruits you've already targeted. Uh, but I also see <laughs> from the SEC's point of view or other that have the, recruit or the fertile recruiting ground where they would want to a keep those coaches out and b they just don't want to work these things like that's just another weekend kind of like you and i where they have to be on the road doing a recruiting thing and they, you know, it's less time that they can have off or doing something else uh, so i get that too but you know it really depends what point of view you're looking at this from i think it's really easy to be outraged either way uh it just depends on who you are what's your take well you know we're seeing a lot of our colleagues in the recruiting world kind of you know, guys who work for rivals uh, Josh McQuiston, who works for our Oklahoma site, which is uh, Soonerscoop.com, he, he's talking a lot about it. We see him, you know, staunchly defending it. Paul Strelo, who works for our Clemson site, uh, is is saying, you know, the camps don't matter. And then we have a few other guys jumping in. Uh, Tim Sullivan from our Michigan site uh, wrote an impassioned column about how he thought it was a, a stupid decision. Personally, for me, now... We'll start with we're looking out for number one. Number one, me, is I don't want to go to any of these stupid camps. They're a total mess. There, there's no way to identify the kids for, from a media perspective. Then the, the coaches are too busy, you know, walking around, you know, essentially schmoozing. They don't do any evaluating. Like, I, I've been to several of these. I went to the hottest camp I'd ever been to last summer at Georgia State where, where, to watch uh, the Nebraska satellite camp. And really... I came away with a great list of top performers. Guess what? None of the kids got offered. Same goes back to the year before at the Penn State camp, where there turned out to be you know six or seven underclassmen who turned out to be four stars or guys with 20-plus offers. Guess what? Penn State didn't offer them at the camp. So a lot of this is was, was meant to bring in kids to not even work out at the events. So like if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I come to Atlanta. I'm holding a camp at Cedar Grove High School. Guess what? I'm inviting my top targets from Atlanta to come to the camp and hang out and talk, but they're not working out at the camp. Like, it's no, just they're that, not participating. That's what I think I said and what, you know, uh, Mike Farrell wrote a column about this week, kind of touching on. The point of the camps was never to discover talent. Was that a side effect? Yes, that happened from time to time. There are guys, and you can point to those guys, that went to these camps. Like one in a thousand. Yes, one, not yet. I would say one absolutely, in a thousand. Absolutely, the exception, not the rule. The point of the camps is, was branding, right? was to get your product out in front of the eyeballs that you want it in front of, in the southeast necessarily, in Texas, if you're a school from outside of Texas, somewhere where there is a talent base that you are trying to woo to your school that you have already identified. Now, if you happen to find a guy while you're there, great. And like you said, that happened one out of a thousand times. It did happen. Uh, it was a nice side effect. It's great to see a kid getting an opportunity, but that's not why James Franklin or Jim Harbaugh wants to have a camp in Florida. Uh, they're not out here searching for the next undiscovered big thing. They're out here trying to push the brand right that's that's the stated maybe not the stated but that's the you know that's the objective of the camp whether they state it or not right and i understand look listen it's su it sucks for a kid from nashville who's not going to get to go to the purdue satellite camp this year because it's not happening because maybe he can't travel all the way up to purdue but guess what purdue had a had a camp and they barely offered anybody at the camp other than well-known kids they're not they're not going out and offering 
you know, the kids, first of all, the kids they should be, you should be targeting under the radar kids if you're Purdue or if you're Illinois or if you're one of these schools who are reaching down into the south to have a satellite camp. You should be offering kids at the camp 100%, okay? They're not doing it. So essentially what's happening is, so you know, guess what? These camps aren't free either. I don't know if fans realize that. You're talking 35 50 sometimes 75 bucks a camp. And this year, high schools were having them and inviting you know, Harbaugh or Urban Meyer or whoever to come be at the event. Oh, guess what? It's 75 bucks a pop. We're taking 500 kids. You cannot do any type of evaluating with that many kids at an event. You and I cover events every weekend. Uh, the Rivals Camp Series, we cap it at 190, and there's three of us. And that's that's pushing it, in my opinion. We still have to rely on the video uh, to get an accurate evaluation. So you're talking about a camp of 500 kids where you've got maybe three or four staff members not to mention people want to take photos with you and what other responsibilities you have. Like, you're not doing any evaluating. So it, it stinks. Personally, I'd like to see coaches be allowed to come and watch, like, the Rivals camps and the Nike camps. And I think we saw uh, David Shaw kind of talk about that a little bit in an interview he did last month with our Stanford site and Andy Dukarev. But... It, it, the the solution is not for more of these camps. And there was going to be so many this summer. I mean, I was looking at my calendar, and it was basically every day in June we were going to have a, a, an event where they're trying to get in 200, 200 to 500 kids and take their money. And like I said, not a lot of those guys uh, were, going to, were going to come away with offers. Yeah, and but a guy like Jim Harbaugh is a nice vessel if you're trying to attract dollars, which, you know, in most cases they are. You put him on a poster, hey, guess who's going to be there? Uh, people are going to cough up whatever you ask them to, right? Because, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, <laughs> as crappy as it is, are pretty hard up for whatever reason for scholarship offers. And, you know, if they think that they can get a shot because Jim Harbaugh is going to be there, it's, I mean, and it does come off like a money grab at times. Uh, there's, there's definitely no doubt about that. So... Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I do think the part that's not being talked about enough and the part that, you know, mainstream college football media doesn't even know about, because I didn't know about it when I started, is that college coaches were attending other events and have been for a long time. So this is that's not a new thing. I think, it, I think where it hurts is, you know, App State would come and go to Tennessee's camp and watch players and see guys. That's where under-the-radar guys are getting exposed. They're not allowed to do that anymore. I think one double A schools might be able to. I'm not sure of the clarification on the rule, but the the events where you know these training groups or whatever were ha- inviting coaches in, that's not going to happen anymore. And that's where we've seen uh, a lot of outrage. Now, one guy who who wasn't outraged about satellite camps, <laughs> our boy Dave, our boy David Shaw, who's all of a sudden has turned uh, turned heel on us. Oh uh, man, he's really like. Boy, everything that everybody thinks about Stanford, he's really, in the last two months, really lived up to that. Every negative thing. And granted, there's a lot of positive things about Stanford people. Uh, they're very intelligent, very nice things to say about them. But, you know, every, like, negative connotation that you hear, in the last two months, he sent out two tweets that have come off, like, the most pompous things I've ever heard. First of all, uh, when he sat down and said he'd never talk to a 7-on-7 seven seven coach as if they were below him. Uh, I don't know if that's how he meant it to come off, but that's how it came off. And now he comes out and and says that he doesn't care about the satellite camps because in the states that they'd hold them, there's only one guy that would be eligible to go to Stanford. I I mean, wow, man. (laughs) It's just, I mean, that's not a very nice thing to say. Yeah, one one player (laughs) in the entire state of Florida that's eligible to go to Stanford. I think, and that's the thing is, I think, I'm not sure if it was meant, what what he said was, uh, 
There's no reason for satellite camps where there might be one person in the entire state that's eligible to get into Stanford, which which was more pointed than something. He had said something I mentioned in that interview with uh, Andy Dukarev, who, who who works for our uh, Stanford site, which you can find at stanford.rivals.com. He, he did a lengthy conversation, a one-on-one sit-down with Shaw, where he said, you know, look, we, we can't hold a, ca- a camp where... You know, we don't know what the player's academic background is like and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what he meant. Yeah, and that makes sense. But, I mean, just the way it comes off, though, with him sometimes is like, ugh. Right, well, and uh, you know, Ted Miller from ESPN was the one who had the quote. Uh, he, he tweeted the quote out saying that, that there might be one person in the whole state that's eligible to get into Stanford. I uh, personally, I think that was directed at Alabama, don't you? I mean, sure. We, you know, I mean, either that or Mississippi, right? But definitely Alabama. Um, because, you know, a lot's been made of Jim Harbaugh trying to go into Tuscaloosa and laughing about that. Uh, but still, I, I don't think that's true, A. Uh, B, it's just, I don't know. There are other ways to have said that, I guess. Right, because Stanford would gladly have an event in Atlanta. They offer a ton of players here. They get players out of here every year. So, uh, But it's just interesting, you know, and like, you know, hopefully the Stanford fans don't get too mad at us because they they are one of our most active uh, listening audiences when we do talk about Stanford. So, uh, but but I mean, it's weird to see him. And, and honestly, he's essentially doing some Harbaugh-esque tactics here, right? By you know doing uh, the veiled shots <laughs> at people, right? Isn't that what he's doing? You know, I can't tell. Like, I mean, if he is, then good for him. But is this? I mean, and you know, I guess. No publicity is bad publicity, as they say. Is this the headline he wants to create? Also, if you're Stanford, you don't need to do that. I mean, and I'm not saying that Michigan necessarily does, but Stanford recruits itself, right? I mean, unless you're living on a different planet, if Stanford offers you a scholarship and you're a football player with those grades and it's a free, edu- a free education there and a place that you can succeed to play football, it is I, – I almost question people that turn that down, that have a legit offer from Stanford. I mean, what does he really need to create headlines for if you think that's what he's doing? That – it's not like they're going to get players. They're going to get the attention of players that weren't paying attention to Stanford before. I mean, that's kind of the holy grail of football offers, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I really think that I really think that he want he's trying to. I, there has been some negative recruiting against Stanford, and they are there. Are, there is a crossover with some highly ranked guys that have that have you know the, the academic profile they're looking for. And I think what he was trying to do. I think what he's trying to do is say, you know, listen, because he, he put that letter out talking about what a Stanford man is like or whatever. Sure. I, just, I just think he's trying – I do think he's trying to get more attention. I think he's trying to show the players that, like, look, we're not all nerds here. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to go toe-to-toe with Harbaugh or whoever. I just think – I think he needs to be more direct at them and maybe uh, instead – because instead, like I said, he comes off looking like you're insulting – an entire region of the country, essentially, uh, where both of us happen to live. And that's that's kind of – and I don't care. We're not from here. I'm not from here. I grew um, up on the West Coast. Um, I grew up closer to, to Stanford than I did to any school in the SEC, that's for sure. So, uh, But but I just think it's a bad – I think it's a bad look publicly. No, yeah, I concur. And even if, you know, it's misconstrued – and I'm sure it probably is out of context. Sometimes it's very hard to, to say what the intent is if you're not sitting in the room with somebody when they say something. But, you know, twice in two weeks, he's managed to, whether or not the words were taken out of context, come off looking a little foolish, I think. Right. And guess what? 
Demetrius, you know, he, Demetrius Robertson, whoever else you want to say, guys that they recruited, they do play seven on seven. So whether or not he talks to their coach, I can be, believe that he's talking to someone in the situation. Every player, even from the most upstanding background, usually has someone who handles their recruitment, whether it's their parent, whether it's their high school coach, whether it's a seven on seven coach, some outside party is involved and you know, guess what? And coaches are coaches are guilty of doing this thing where they come out and say, "I've never done this," or "I don't pay attention to recruiting rankings." And meanwhile, their assistant coaches are blowing up our phones trying to get players ranked higher. You know, so. you know what my favorite thing, and maybe this is a tangent recently, is is these coaches that tweet just eliminated a player for tweeting something terrible. Oh my god! And yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure you did eliminate you know the two star defensive back that you were looking at. If that was the number one player in the country and he tweeted about drinking goat's blood and making pentagrams and worshiping Satan, guess what? You're still taking him. <laughs> Just as long as you can well, explain I it mean, away, boy. Yeah. Like, it's really easy for coaches to come off with this stuff to look all like, oh, best interest. You know, we only recruit men of character here. Yeah, it's really easy to recruit men of character when there are 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 or 250 players in the country of that skill level. But when you're dealing with right. the top 15 or 20 or 30, man, I've seen coaches make some excuses. These same ones uh, that are supposedly eliminating kids off the list because they tweeted something bad uh, sure have made some excuses to take some other dudes with higher star rankings in the past. Yeah, we famously had, a, uh, I believe, a top 100 recruit tweeted picture of the new gun he had bought. Uh, it was like a pistol. It wasn't like a hunting rifle, you know what I mean? And it just fell on deaf ears. Nobody cared. Uh Whereas, you know, if it would have been another situation, I think it would have been a, a national news story. So, yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely kind of a double standard there. So let's talk about uh, our boy, Mac Jones, two-time Rivals Camp MVP on this, this circuit. Actually came to Orlando and came to Atlanta. Uh, he's going to the quarterback challenge finals uh, that we're having in two weeks in Baltimore. He's coming to the five-star challenge. And now, all of a sudden, and, you know, keep in mind, what, what is, nothing has changed about Mac Jones. He has no new film. He's only been to the camps and won the MVPs, right? Yeah, he's texting all me right sudden, now. This is very strange that you bring this up. Sorry, I was just responding yeah. to him while you were talking. Go ahead. Okay, so, so this weekend, uh, he gets offered by Alabama. And we've been talking on this show, what is Alabama going to do at quarterback? What are they going to do at quarterback? They keep missing on guys. It doesn't look like they're the leader for anybody. And we said... Going back two, two or three episodes ago, they're going to end up stealing someone's quarterback. We, we said it. They did it two years ago. They've done it in the past, and now it looks like they've set their sights on Mac Jones, who's con- committed to Kentucky. And uh, there's, there's a couple different issues I want to hash out here. But first of all, do you think it's an offer that he can commit to right now? I mean, we've seen Alabama in the past offer four or five guys at this point and then bring them in to work them out. Uh, and then Saban makes a decision. So... So first of all, can he commit to the offer, and what do you see happening? I think that they'd rather him throw. Uh, I think that that's subject to change should the quarterback situation get even more dire. I think if guys keep flying off the board and maybe Max commitment becomes takeable right now, I think they'd like to see him throw at camp. What makes it interesting is that he had recently come out and said that he's going to shut down his recruitment, not visit any other schools, and then this offer comes, and now it's like, well... You know, this one I'll definitely consider a little bit. And so, he's, you know, it's a hard situation for Mack and for any quarterback and for any player for that matter uh, to kind of try to play the balance here where you don't want to look like you're committing treason to the fan base to which you're committed, but at the same time you owe it to yourself to kind of 
look around at your offers. Uh, you know, I talk to Mac pretty frequently. I think that he is legitimately torn. Uh, I think he does like a lot of things about Kentucky. He really loved that visit that he took recently there. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> as is human nature, when Alabama comes calling, you're going to take a look. What's going to be real interesting to see here now, and I think you know this is true as well as I do, once Nick Saban offers a kid, they magically end up getting five or six more, right, in the next, like, month. I think that maybe Mac's going to see some more offers, some more opportunity. I don't know what that will lead to. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. What's your kind of take on the situation? Uh, I think if I'm Kentucky, I'm nervous. I mean, we suck. We see, we've seen them battle with Alabama the last uh, two years. They won the fight for Matt Elam, which uh, – I will not comment on. <laughs> um, and, then, and then they lost, they lost the battle for Damian Harris, who has kind of he was. Uh, no, I'm going to make I'm going to make you comment. make you comment on that. What was the worst <laughs> name you were called for not ranking Matt Elam a five star? I don't know, man. For those for those who don't know, Matt Elam was ranked uh, as a five star by one of our main competitors. We ranked him as a five point five three star, which is. Got the lowest three-star ranking. Which is still not an insult. I mean, that is still saying he is a college football player, like a serviceable college football player. Right, exactly. He's in the top eight, you know, maybe uh, 75% of all the kids ranked or something like that. I don't know the exact number, maybe lower than that. But definitely, you know, hey, you're ranked as one of the top, you know, 1,000 guys in the country or whatever. Well, but, I mean, he was ranked, you know, very high elsewhere. You know, Alabama swore up and down. This is this is the truth that he was dominant at their camp. He's a future first round draft pick. Now the jury's still out on him because he's two years in. He's about to start his junior year, but I don't think we've seen that. I think he reported to camp at 394 pounds as a freshman. I think he got down to 360-ish last year after they had an injury. He kind of slid into that role, and then and you know I think the Kentucky fans would agree that that was kind of a a weak point in their defense, especially considering a guy like him, you expect him to to kind of take up two guys and kind of take up space, and I think he had a hard time doing that. So I got called all kinds of names by Kentucky fans. They were swore that if he went to Alabama, he would have been ranked higher. I can tell you that was one of the most confusing rankings I'd ever seen because I went and saw him play in person. He, his ranking was based on this camp that happened behind closed doors that, that somehow somebody saw. We didn't see it. And then he came to the Army game and wasn't good there. And so I was like, guys, I mean, I, I knew I knew that we had seen him more than others. Uh, and he, he actually didn't come to our camp that offseason when he had the magical uh, the magical uh, camp showing at Alabama. So yeah, a weird recruitment for him, which I'm sure but really pouring salt on the wound of Kentucky fans who were now telling them to be worried about Mac Jones and now we're rehashing Well, here's, well they're already mad at me because I think that, you know, I, I think that I'm kind of been the one that's been – questioning whether Mac will end up at Kentucky. I'm not, I've never said that, you know, he's 100% decommitted from Kentucky, but I just think that it's going to be, still think it's going to be hard to hold on, even even since he's announced that uh, he's going to shut down his recruitment. I think this Alabama offer changes things. Uh, you know, Kentucky's a great school. There's lots of good reasons to go to Kentucky. I just think that it's hard to go toe-to-toe with the national champs if you're Kentucky right now, and we'll see how that goes. Right, right, exactly. So I think, you know, like you mentioned, he's going to get other offers, too. Uh, you, we know he took a, a look at Arizona State. Did he did he visit there already or no? I forget. Yeah, he visited Arizona that. State. Yes. So he's visited Arizona State. He liked them. Uh, I, he, nothing is nothing is shut down in recruitment, now, despite what Max says or what any kid says. Uh, if he if he's visiting other places, if he's receiving new offers. Now now listen, there are kids who have been committed, 
for nine months and they'll text me and be like, hey, I got offers from 20 schools that aren't on my profile. <laughs> Can you please put them on there? Because we never knew because when the kid got offered, he didn't go tweet about it and and stuff like that. That's truly shutting it down, in my opinion. Like, he, if you get an offer and you don't even bother to tell anybody about it and it's from a major school, uh, that means you're really committed. But, it, you know, unfortunately for, for Kentucky fans, I think they're going to be sweating it. I think it was great that he went up there and took that visit, but I think an Alabama offer kind of resets things a little bit. So we're going to monitor that. And the, and the main thing we have to remember is he was close with the offensive coordinator who's no longer there. I mean, that was the guy he committed to originally, right, back in the fall. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that that's – I mean, he really does like that school. Um, I think that he's – there's a lot keeping him – committed to Kentucky that's more than just a relationship with a coach. Man, they're starting to leaf blow outside my house. Is that coming? I hope that's not coming through on my microphone. Um, yeah, well, yeah. You, you don't even get... We, we can start rants and recommendations early with my stance. On, I'm, we're, yeah, yeah, you can, you can hear it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, they're bringing it now, man. You're just going to have to hit the mute button when you're not talking. Uh, but uh, the... the <laughs> well, hopefully Nick will just cut this out. Uh <laughs> I, I just think I just think you have to be a little bit you have to be a little bit worried, and it's it's gonna gonna be over until probably the beginning of the summer. I think we got another two months, and then he'll he'll have a decision hashed out because, like I said, if he has to throw at Alabama, I mean, I, I don't know if I would do that if I were him at this point, especially if he gets if he gets other offers. Um, now, keep in mind they also have Walker Wood committed. Now he's a three-star athlete. He actually uh, did not show up to either camp he registered for this weekend in the Midwest. I think he had prom. Uh, his five-star teammate, Jedrick Wills, was at the camp on Saturday. Prom, prom or nothing, that kid uh, wanted to come out and compete, which I we always love to see from from five-stars. But, you know, uh, Nick and I went and watched uh, Walker play a game last year uh, where he primarily ran the ball. He's definitely a, uh, a running quarterback. I moved him to athlete because when he committed, I was told, you know, he might be a slot receiver. He might play another position. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a de- I think he's a decent quarterback. I think he could play. I think he could develop into something. But uh, I don't think, especially you know, both both kind of physically uh, and talent wise, I don't think he's on par with uh, with Jones in, in terms of upside. So I think if you're Kentucky, you still want to hang on to both of them. And uh, but 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 not all is lost because you do have a quarterback in the class. But you, you really don't want to lose out on Jones. All right, so what's next on the docket here, Mr. Womack? Well, Rob, the, the 2018 rankings come out on Wednesday. Hopefully this yes, podcast will be up do. Tuesday. So you and I were talking off the air. It's it's tough. We, we, we keep doing these earlier and earlier. I think actually these rankings are coming out a month later than the initial 2018 rankings came out last year, so we did push it back a little bit. The, the initial 2017 but, uh, rankings came out last year. Or 2017, sorry, yeah. So, so at the, you know, so we're a little bit farther down the road. A month later, we've seen some more kids in terms of the camps. What's your, you know, what's your take on how tough it was for you to put together that list? Where we started out with the top 100. Uh, you know, how, how hard did you find that? Well, anytime I can, we can release something that gives people another reason to call me names. I'm always all for, and this definitely fits into that category. I think it's. I'm happy that we just did 100. I think there are some other sites out there that have fully ranked the class by numbers. This is just coming out alphabetically. I feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that there's a certain amount of guys that you know are going to be in that top 100. Uh, You look at a guy like Tyreek Johnson from Jacksonville Trinity. 
Uh, he's we've known he was going to be a top 100 recruit for three years. He got his first offer as an eighth grader. Uh, he looks the part. He's been so great for so long. You know he fits in. Uh, I don't think you miss very ha- often on the five stars this early. It's when you start getting outside the top 100 that I think things start getting dicey. So it really wasn't as hard for me this year as it was a year ago when we did it a little bit earlier and we went a little bit more fleshed out uh, and it was a little bit harder to get those those bottom you know 250 guys. But I, I feel pretty comfortable with what I've done uh, with the 100 that we've released. Uh, and the guys that are on that list. What about you in the land of Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were some guys I really hoped to see at the at the camp in Atlanta. That actually, guys who even signed up and and didn't show up. I think we're we're having an issue though with some of these guys who get these offers so so young. Sort of think it's their birthright to then be ranked a five star or whatever because they have offers. I mean. Personally, I'm not going to rank a guy unless I unless I've really seen him, especially really high. I mean, I, I travel every weekend to go to different events all over the the southeast. I go to games every weekend, multiple games in, in, in Georgia and in Tennessee and in other states. So, I, I you know some of these guys, I think will have ranked lower than other people initially, but that's because you know guess you know highlight tape you know can 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 be manipulated. People say the film doesn't lie. It's like it does lie. I mean, if you put together my high school film, you think, oh, man, look at this guy's a road-grading guard, you know, <laughs> because I have <laughs> nine good plays in one season. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, unless you're going to watch every game individually, which is what they used to do back in the day, and which is some coaches still probably do. Yeah, there's one uh, in Manhattan, Kansas times. that does. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's got to watch those JUCO, those JUCO highlights. But, I mean, I, I just think... I think it's hard. I think I'm, I'm comfortable with some of the guys I have up top, especially at the very top. But it's going to change, and that's the thing. Is like The list is going to change tremendously. There are, there are five stars right now that have no offers. There might be five stars that haven't even played a varsity game. There, like, that's the crazy thing. There is at least one player in the state of Mississippi that is going to crawl out from underneath a rock four or five months from now and be a five-star. I mean, it's just, or at least battle to be a five-star. It just happens, it happens in Alabama, it happens in Mississippi, it happens in Florida. Uh, some kid will transfer to a school from middle of nowhere, North Florida, and will all of a sudden show up in Miami or Fort Lauderdale uh, looking like a million bucks. It's, it's, I'm more worried about the kids that we don't have ranked than having a five-star too high right now. I, I feel like it's easier to to go back and correct it that way than, you know, a kid that I don't know exists, which there are plenty of, uh, that will emerge in the next six, seven, eight months. All right. So be on the lookout for those. Those are coming out, uh, this week on rivals.com. We're going to have some, some, some in-depth looks at the, at the five stars. We've got some other stories coming out the following week, uh, as well. So I think it's something, something cool that we're doing. I, I would, I would, uh, definitely recommend people taking a look and kind of getting to know those names that, uh, People, everyone's going to be following going forward. Now, one last big piece of news from, from Southeast Territory, uh, Vandarius Cowan, the guy who's ranked in the top 100, defensive end, outside linebacker type from uh, down in uh, Palm Beach area, which uh, is an interesting area for talent. Uh, he flips from Florida State to Alabama. I think, was it was it during Florida State's spring game? Is that when it all went down? <laughs> he was or? on the visit. On the same day. So he's touring. He probably actually made the commitment to Alabama while Florida State was on the field. It was not announced until an hour after the game on Twitter. Uh, but you, it's kind of easy to see how it went down. Um, so they were in Orlando playing their spring game, uh, they being the Knolls. 
And Cowan, who is one of their top commits, you know, a Rivals 250 four-star who looks like a million bucks, is at Tuscaloosa and hanging out with Nick Saban, and you can never feel good when that's happening. Uh, and sure enough, he goes ahead and makes the decision to spurn Florida State. I get him on the phone. He hadn't talked to anybody at the time. I think he was still on campus. And he didn't have much time to talk. He was rushed off because, you know, he was doing visit things. And I asked him, you know, why? It's the only question I get in. is like, why'd you do it? And he just responds with, well, savages want to play with savages, which is now my favorite quote ever. <laughs> just, you start using that in, in my day-to-day life. When I have to fire DirecTV because the signal goes out constantly and they ask me why I'm switching to AT&T, uh, savages want to run with savages, man. Just hang up. Well, boy, what a what a rookie move by you getting satellite TV in Florida. That could have I could have uh, cued you in on that one. The rainstorms knock it out all the time, every day in the summer, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't even like watch it that much. You know, I, I watch mostly. You know, I stream baseball during the summer, so I watch a lot of baseball games. I stream that through the PlayStation or the Apple TV. Uh, watch a lot of WWE Network, which is also streamed. So I just really use it for live sports. But still, it's eh, it, is a, it is a Florida rookie move, you know, uh, New Yorker slash Kansan. Uh, you're not really used to You know, in Kansas, you get the tornadoes, but they don't knock out the satellite signals as much. Well, yeah, they just knock down the whole house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you keep your satellite signal. The problem is it kills your family. But, you know, right, you, take the, right. you take the good with the bad. <laughs> so it was a – Cowan is a guy that I think you and I had kind of – Hoped would be a five star. It would be based on you know uh, seeing him a couple of different times. He came down to the Miami camp, worked out at linebacker, which was you know personally I I think he's going to be that hybrid three four guy. I would have liked to see him at at the end of the yeah. Camp he didn't even take a single rep at defensive end, I, and you know he looks like a dude that could have dominated those one on ones, you know, and he just. Right, played in coverage and just did that, and you know it's fine. But you know when you're trying to sell a guy to Mike Farrell as a five star, which you and I both were before the camp, and then he shows up, takes two reps at linebacker, and doesn't put his hand in the dirt when he looks like a mountain, when he looks like a Byron Coward almost. Uh, it's hard to sell. Yeah, then he was. I believe he. Oh, I guess he wasn't that mad at you. He took your call, so we 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 might see him again. He he may be a guy we see down the road at some different thing. You'll see him, of course, playing uh, in real games. I, I like the fit at Alabama. I think he. I, I. I don't think it's over though. Do you? I mean, there's a lot of savages out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> there's there are savages all over this country, and uh, maybe he'll discover another pack that he'd like to run with. Yeah. So so he's going to take visits. He's going to visit Florida. I'm sure. He's I bet he takes an official. Miami. I bet he takes an official back to Florida State. Right. He's going to go to Florida State again. Yada yada. So so, but for right now, Alabama should should be celebrating that win. Uh, another good week for them as they get the get guys on campus. So let's uh, let's go over now. Let's head whatever direction. Head, I guess, head to the head to the Lone head to the Lone Star State where Lasso is in Spurs. Yeah, the the, the only star uh, the for, for the Lone Star in the recruiting world uh, in that state, Nick Kruger. So Nick and I will now uh, talk some Texas. <laughs> Uh, it's time for another Texas Roundup with your Texas analyst, Nick Kruger. Nick, welcome back. Uh, well-received segment last week, right? Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me back as I'm back every episode of this podcast. <laughs> well, if, if we could only all be in the same place at the same time, uh, we could have you on for the entire show. That, that's our goal, maybe to buy a soundboard and actually make it happen uh, sometime down the line. So speaking of uh, big news uh, in the state of Texas, a huge transfer tonight, uh, late breaking, live local and late breaking. Sean Robinson, the quarterback who uh, has been committed to TCU for a while now, 
is transferring to DeSoto, which, uh, you know, that's huge news considering that's a powerhouse program. What's been the initial reaction, uh, you know, from the, the Texas types, and what's, what was kind of your reaction when you saw the news? Well, you know, read into it what you will. Actually, we should give credit to where credit's due. This story broken by Adam Bodeker of the Denton Record Chronicle, uh, one of our friends in the dying newspaper industry, uh, comes out <laughs> comes out and lets everybody know. You know, Sean, Sean Robinson's parents, both of his parents uh, were actually coaches, uh, you know, at, at his former school, Denton Geyer. They're both uh, leaving to take coaching jobs at DeSoto. So it's not just Sean Robinson that's going. It's the entire family. You know, he slides right in there. Uh, the quarterback that they had uh, this uh, last year, you might be familiar with, is taking off and heading to Oregon as a, as a commit. So uh, they definitely had a hole at the position. Robinson is a guy that we've seen several times over the past couple of years. Uh, is a is a alumni of the five star challenge uh, that we host, and you know, definitely a familiar name in, in the Texas high school football landscape. Boy, really putting putting a Denton in the whole football program there, losing the quarterback and two coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another good Texas pun for me today. Check my Twitter if you want to see another good one from uh, from a few days ago related to the uh, UCLA decommit. Uh, it's interesting because we see these big programs in every state go and sort of you know cherry pick these players, and some pro- some people complain, some don't. Uh, do, do you think there's going to be any type of backlash about them going out and essentially, I don't know if you can call it recruiting or whatever, but you know, landing another big-time transfer, especially at the at quarterback? Uh, well, from Geyer High School's perspective, I don't think it's quite, uh, you know, quite that big of a deal. I, th- I know they feel good about the quarterback that they still have there, Luke Stillwell. He's a guy that's going to come in and uh, you know, take take over the the quarterback position for Denton Geyer, and you know we we see we see transfers happening, and you know it's not unique to Texas. I mean, you you and I have lived in Florida for a long time, and you know moving back and forth between schools is is commonplace there too. Uh, what you kind of see more of, and what you're more you know more used to seeing, is the manipulation of you know where the household makes its residence or <laughs> uh, something along those lines. But how can you argue uh, the black and white of an entire family getting you know not brand new employment at the other school i mean that's sound reasoning for them to to make the move over to desoto it just so happens that they're a team that's loaded with recruits uh heading into this year and you know one that's definitely primed to make a run i think in the in the high school uh state playoffs this year given, given all the talent that they have on hand so i guess as a player and in his recruitment i mean we're, we're still assuming he's solid with tcu but you mentioned the team's loaded with talent do we expect maybe to see him do some uh, recruiting of his own now that that he's there and maybe does this put uh, the Horned Frogs in position to land any of these other players uh, that are there? You would think so. I mean, you know, TCU is not too far away from DeSoto. Obviously, both uh, schools in the Dallas-Fort Worth area there, so they're not too far away. I think the kids that already go to DeSoto, uh, if they're going to have a relationship with TCU, you know, that's not something that's contingent on Sean Robinson's involvement. All right, now we've got uh, some news, I guess, related to... Uh, the number one player in the country who, who's going to be right in your backyard, Marvin Wilson, uh, him and him and uh, Walker Little both made it to, to Ole Miss. What, is Ole Miss going to do it again? Are they going to go out and steal somebody right out of, you know, they've, we've seen them steal guys out of Atlanta, uh, other cities as well, Louisiana. Are they going to do it now in Texas? That's a very interesting situation and one that I think, uh, you know, is, is definitely going to have to keep a close eye on too because, 
Mar- Marvin Wilson and Walker Little, for those that don't know, are both teammates at Episcopal High School in, uh, in the Houston area. And uh, obviously Marvin Wilson, the number one player in the country. Walker Little, a four-star guy, but we've seen be very impressive uh, on the spring camp circuit this year. And both of those guys train together uh, when they're not tra- when they're not practicing together uh, with their football team. They're training together off the field, uh, spend a lot of time together. The two of them took a visit to uh, Ole Miss re- very recently and really liked what they saw. And I think with the two of them, what you'll see is a situation where you know everybody likes to speculate oh these guys are best friends all these guys are brothers they're going to want to play together if they can right but when you're talking about two guys that are elite at their position one being the number one player in the country there's not a lot of places that aren't a good fit for him you know i i had thought pure speculation that that lsu would be a good fit for wilson you know i was thinking that Ole miss would be a good fit for little little obviously also has uh two siblings that go to Ole miss right now but i think you know those factors aside i think the fact that those two guys can come together and and be two of the top players in the country uh heading up a, a recruiting class at a school that's known for closing well and, and putting together uh, strong recruiting classes as of late you know that's definitely going to be something that that'll get the recruiting world buzzing for sure now we should we should clarify that 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 Walker Little is not related to Greg Little, <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> who went from Texas who went from Texas to uh, to Old Miss. So he has relatives there. Just that Greg's not one of them, right? They're they're not uh, they're not related. We can confirm that. Uh, I'm gonna have to check with my sources on that one. Okay, but we're early <laughs> early indications say they're they're not related. But uh, we, you know, listen if uh, if Ole Miss can hang around in this recruitment, it's good for us. The Ole Miss fans really love this podcast. We don't talk about them enough. Um, so it, uh, I think I think you know from from the outside looking in, uh, Ole Miss is getting into that territory where they start hanging around for somebody, you, you start to get nervous. Uh, Rob and I talked about it earlier in the show with Nick Saban. Uh, and when when he gets involved, he starts to get guys that he wants. And I think once guys start to visit uh, Oxford, Mississippi, and, and Old Miss, that's when you're in trouble. So if you're another school, so I think uh, I think they're going to be in the mix going forward. So so the, the people in Texas, I think, have a, have the right to be just a little nervous. The SEC is a different animal, and uh, you know, and I think that's kind of. You know, I think I think we see with some of these these big time SEC traditional programs like Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss now at this point, uh, Florida for that matter. You know, when they start making when they start making plays for guys, it's not about where they're at uh, on the map. It's you know, it's really just about the power of the program. All right, now another guy uh, that that we thought, or at least you thought, I'm not I'm not taking any of the blame here. Uh, you thought was going to leave the state. We had talked about him in Tennessee, uh, Grayson Reed, the offensive lineman. Yeah, turns out, guess what? He's not going anywhere. He commits to Texas A&M. Uh, maybe they get that little bump that they had been looking for following that big recruiting event, uh, the Friday Night Lights event. Uh, did it surprise you, the timing of it, and, and how big of a, of a commitment is this for the Aggies? Well, the timing of it's not really a surprise. He committed when he was at the, uh, the Maroon and White game there uh, in College Station. So he was there in person with Coach Kevin Sumlin to, to make that commitment. Um, you know, for me personally, everybody in the state of Texas, listen, you know, I'm, I'm brand new to this job. The predictions that I make, uh, you know, you got to take them with a grain of salt here. Give me, give me a little bit of a probationary period because I'm having limited conversations with these guys in a lot of cases before I'm, you know, being forced to, you know, make predictions about where they're going to go. He did seem to like Tennessee, you know, Texas A&M as it turns out was the favorite all along. 
you can't discount what the offensive line coach Jim Turner is doing uh, for recruiting there at Texas A&M. I mean, especially with the offensive linemen. Going back to the conversation with the guys uh, at DeSoto, you know, I'm talking about Colorado coming in and making a play for Xavier Newman. Uh, I just talked to him the other day. Texas A&M is definitely a favorite in his recruitment. Having Grayson Reed in the fold, you know, helps. Uh, with that connection and he can sort of start working on Xavier Newman who's a guy that we saw at our Rivals Camp Series event in Dallas Um, you know it's good it's good for Texas A&M to get the anchor of that offensive line in a class where they already have four-star quarterback Tate Martell four-star receiver Manny Netherly who just took a visit to Alabama Uh, I've yet to talk to him on and to see how that went but um, you know, you're starting to see him put the pieces together for an offense uh, and guys that are fast, athletic, up-tempo style offense guys. And, you know, Grayson Reed is definitely a guy when you look at him, maybe not the bulkiest of offensive linemen, but definitely a guy that, that strikes you as ath- athletic. And when you're talking about an offense that needs to move down the field in a hurry uh, and in, as an interior lineman, uh, Grayson Reed kind of fits the mold and kind of gives you the cans- uh, canvas of player that you like to see in a commitment. Yeah, you know, and, and you and I both know from, from covering this for, for a long time, uh, coaches would rather take a guy who is who has that tall, lean frame, especially a tackle, than a guy who's overweight because they, it's much easier to put weight on than it is to take weight off. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I'm looking at the sheet, Reed weighed 302 at the Rivals camp in uh in Dallas, so he's up there. He's a he's a big boy. And, and listen too, when I when I made the uh, the analysis video for his commitment uh, over the weekend, looking looking at his uh, looking at the video that we shot of him from the Rivals Camp Series appearance that he made last year, uh, compared to the appearance that he made this year, you know he sh- he reshaped his body. Uh, granted, you know you're, you're talking about the difference of being a junior to senior in high school what the difference is going to be from a senior in high school to where he's at when he makes his debut as a college player, I'm sure will be night and day as well. But looking at how he turned some of that, that mass into muscle uh, just in the span of that year and thinking about the potential of what he can do once he gets into a college nutrition program, you know, he's definitely, you know, the arrows pointing up with him and, and what he can bring uh, as an offensive lineman for, for the Aggies. Uh, we thought we were all, we were all set for a commitment, uh, you know, with uh, the wide receiver who was set to go to Tennessee I think when I saw the graphics come through in the email box, we were expecting it to be a done deal. He was supposed to visit Knoxville. Uh, he then cancels that trip or postpones it, I guess. He's going to be there this weekend. Is that still the case? I mean, what's what's the latest with him? That's right. And you're talking about another uh, DeSoto wide receiver in Katie Nixon, the guy that we talked about last week. You know, we, we hurried, I hurried this podcast up last week because we had talked about him. We thought that, uh, you know, he, he was going to come to Knoxville and make a commitment. That's still an option. He's planning on being there this week on Friday. We're going to check in with him and make sure that there were no uh, blips along with that either. It was it was just a transportation problem uh, with the coaches that he was going to go with from DeSoto. So so he still wants to go out there to Knoxville. He still wants to see what it's all about. And you know, I I would just say that we hit the pause button on that. Uh, I'm holding out hope that he does commit to Tennessee because <laughs> between him and uh, Grayson, if I go 0 for 2 on those two commitments, uh, I run I run the risk of being a, a Tennessee homer with all these Texas fans, and that's something <laughs> that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get uh, work my way out of. But uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I think he's very uh, I think he's very interested in what the Volunteers have to show him, uh, but he does need to make it out to campus, and and the co- the coaches at Tennessee want him out there too. Uh, before you know, before a final word is passed on, either way, whether he will commit or not. All right, so so we'll be monitoring that closely, and if you're wrong, we'll be sure to uh, remind you about it. 
<laughs> on next week <laughs> on, on next week's show. Considering I've been known to uh, to now that we're doing more predictions, I've been known to make some shifts uh, to my list but almost every been week. Some shifts on that list uh, with where I have guys going. So um, things can change rapidly. That's what happens when you're dealing with uh, a bunch of teenagers. So uh, that'll wrap it up for the old Texas roundup. Uh, remember to follow Nick. Uh, hopefully soon to be verified at Rivals Krug City. Hopefully uh, we don't want any imposters out there pretending to be you, Nick. So let's hope we can get that, that verification locked down soon, right? Yeah, or, or any other Nick Krugers that, that may have a more legitimate job uh, after working at Rivals now in, in the sports media industry. Than I <laughs> hey, big shot to uh, Nick P. Kruger, who works for our Arizona State site and will, will, is still working there. Once he graduates college, he'll be headed to MLB Media. So, uh, you know, hey, Nick, maybe once you graduate college, you can leave Rivals too. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome back in with uh, back with Woody and Rob now. Of course, you just heard me talking to Nick. Uh, boy, always another exciting week in the state of Texas. Nick, Nick still learning the ropes of analyst life uh, full time, but uh, well on his way. So you give him a fi- follow at Rivals Krug City uh, for all the, the Texas news you're looking for. He actually will be in Louisiana this weekend covering an event as well. So yeah, the next time the next stuff. time you're on with him, and you know I haven't lived in Texas for a while. Uh, have they? A, seceded from the Union yet, and B, are they still on American currency, or have they switched strictly to Texas bucks? I don't know. I think they just use, they just use Diet Dr. Peppers as their main, <laughs> as their main form of currency. <laughs> so let's, let's get into uh, rants and recommendations. For, uh, if you're in Texas, go ahead. And, if you're in Texas, have a big red. That would be my recommendation. I had one this week uh, when I was in. My recommendation Dr. is move out of Texas. <laughs> right, yeah, Rob already did that once. So uh, this is, of course, the, you know the, 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 the favorite segment of the show everyone loves to listen to. I'll start us off this week, and I, I'm not even sure if I've done this rant before because I've complained about it so many times in real life, and it, it skews the lines. You know, I fly Delta as my preferred choice. I think you fly uh, American as your preferred airline. Yes. Some people fly Southwest, and I think that's yeah. that's what I'm going to tell you. That's, that's what you yeah. have we're not big south. I will fly southwest if it's my only direct option, but it's not preferred. But when did this trend start of people lining up in front of the gate, like crowding around? Now, southwest has southwest actually has it figured out because they make people get in an orderly line. And United does something a little similar, like, okay, zone one, line up here, zone two, line up here. Meanwhile... It's Thunderdome when you fly on on American or Delta because you have all these people who are in Zone 2 and 3 crowding around the gate. They called Zone 1. You don't even know if you're in line to try to go or if people are just blocking. And they're not standing like a little bit away. They're standing literally right in the way and they won't move out of your way either. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Right. I I go to get on the plane and I'm like, are you in Zone 1? And they look at me and go, no. And I'm like, well, then what are you doing? I'm trying so hard not to cuss right now. Look, man, and here's my problem with Americans. Something needs to be done because when you're an executive platinum aristocrat such as myself, you should not have to wade through the rift raft of Zone 2. Uh, I don't want to get their Zone 2 germs on my wonderful skin, A. Uh, B, I don't want to smell their Zone 2-ness as I walked past them with my aristocratic uh, executive platinum pass. And, you know, it just makes me feel dirty to have to be lumped into the same category as these regular common folk. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, Woody? Well, it doesn't make me feel dirty, but it makes me so <laughs> mad that they move out of the way. Like, what, you're, what is the hurry to get up there and stand in the way? You're about to go sit on a plane. Like, and I understand everyone's like, I've got to get my overhead, my stupid luggage 
guess what? Checking your bag is not a big of a deal. Once you get through security, you're free. You don't have to pay the money. If they take your bag from you, they're going to check it for free, and it's going to be waiting for you. It's actually better because it's like a concierge service. It's going to be waiting for you when you get off the plane. Yeah, in, defense, so it's like, in defense of the Zone 3 losers, though, it's possible that they have to rush to a meeting or something when they land and don't have time to wait for their flea-infested bag to come off of the uh, Yeah, Guess what? Then pay extra money and get, get priority boarding or whatever. I got news for you. Get, get, do not it's it's first of all you know and yesterday I, I I yelled at some guy you know at the airport which I know this is going to shock our listeners me yelling at strangers uh, which when next time we have officer Friedman on he's got a real funny story about me freaking out about room service uh, this past weekend in Columbus but uh, there was a guy doing some type of performance like you'd see like on a New York subway you know some dude playing the violin or whatever with his hat down. Right, but he would—he was doing it in the terminal at Delta, and I was like, "This guy got through security. He's in the airport. How is I've, this I've seen that. I've here? seen that before, man. I saw a guy playing Margaritaville once on an acoustic guitar inside the airport. I mean, I, maybe they're traveling with well, it, so they figure they're going to the gate anyway. They might as well try to make some extra coin. I feel like I need to well, before we move on. I need to clarify that I'm just kidding, and I'm not really a, <laughs> not really that kind of. Uh, uh, trying not to curse here. <laughs> it's just a joke. I'm, I not, really, was, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really looking down on people in their zone two-ness. But in in Miami, they sometimes will have performers in the airport who are like employees. This was like a bum. This was like some guy. No, no. Is it like, possible need- that he was a traveler, got through security with the guitar as a carry-on, and was just like, "Well, I got to wait for my plane. I might as well try to make a couple, you know, extra bucks well, while I'm waiting." He wasn't. The, here's the thing. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, playing a guitar. He was dancing around, it, like with. He was dancing around talking about how he needed money for a haircut. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> like, that's just that. He and was that a g- crazy person. Like he was <laughs> not. This was not like. Hey, but speaking of which, I ran into a. I did that's one of those. That's band. definitely one hundred percent confirmed a zone two person. Well, zone two. That guy's on standby. I got news for you. <laughs> He's flying Spirit Airlines, probably. If I had <laughs> zone five on the next Spirit flight. Well, so you know, I was on the on the on the airport. I ran into some band, Edward Sharp and somebody. That's a famous band, and now I don't know who it is. Uh, Edward Sharp and the Machinists, maybe or something like that. Anyway, they were nice. I had a great talk with them. Why couldn't they whip out their instruments and start playing instead of got some hobo who and I and I and even the airport employees were confused. And I was like, what you know, what is going on? But the, the getting back to my main point, do not get up and stand until they call your zone. When they say zone two, stand up and walk over and get in line and get on the plane. But the, I don't necessarily even blame the people anymore. I blame Delta. This is a recurring problem. You have to do something about it. The, the, you have to be like, look, we got to corral these people. I mean, if not, it's Thunderdome, and it seems like a, it seems like a safety issue, doesn't it? Because when I come barrel, because I've started just bumping into people, I treat it like I'm course, in yeah. high school walking. Well, because I say, hey, excuse me, and they just turn around and look at you, and then turn back around, and then of course, you know, if anybody ever does that to me, I. Uh, I use some harsh language with them, so so guess what? You better you better watch yourself because old Wood Dog's coming down the tracks to get on the plane when they call Zone One, and uh, I will take no prisoners, uh, women and children included. So uh, that's my that's my rant this week. Wait, you have anything to complain about? Or I also have a recommendation. Not really, I'm a little bit annoyed by all these hashtag holidays that are happening on the internet, but you know I'm not the guy that's going to complain about internet things. So if you're celebrating well, pet, yeah, pet, an... pet Day or Siblings Day or Beer Day or Yoga Mat Day or 
PlayStation Day or Popcorn Maker Day or whatever, good for you. I mean, if you find joy in that, who am I to tell you that you're a Zone 2 trash ball? Well, I think I think people have just – I think that was a – you know, I wondered where all these days have come from. I think it was cooked up by the social media companies. I mean, we saw uh, Snapchat yesterday have some type of National Siblings Day filter. I just think it's a thing that they do to try to get people to dig through their old photos and kind of engage socially uh, – I think is why, right? Yeah, I mean, I I guess that makes sense. Like I said, I'm not that mad about it. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Uh, You know, I feel like it'd be a real, a real Womack thing to complain about. So I'll take it back. Yeah, well, I got, I got so passionate about, uh, I got so passionate about uh, that that rant that I (laughs) forgot what my recommendation is. I will, since since I can't remember, I will recommend another podcast, which I've been known to do. Uh, Of course, you know, Nick and I are both big fans of the Starters. A podcast, uh, you know, and a, and a daily show on NBA TV. The NBA playoffs are about to start. You know, I love the NBA playoffs. I'll be watching plenty of it. And actually, they've added a segment to. They do a weekly long podcast. One of the producers on there has added a segment called the Complainted Area, where he actually complains about stuff eerily similar to this segment. And uh, he complained about the people using the term "adulting." Uh, this past week, and that really hit home with me. I know you hate that term as well, right? It's yeah, it's brutal, man. I, <laughs> I that's something else that I've just decided to skim over on social media now. It's, it's yeah, I don't want to adult today. Yeah, so so you can listen to him complain about it if you don't know that term. You know, people uh, pe- pe- people saying that is the new. You know what really got old a while ago is like when somebody let's say that there's like a very famous football player who's famous for being good at football and he's doing something on TV, people will send out these Facebook updates or tweets that just say, Peyton Manning, good at football. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's even... Great. Or like sports, period. No, that's a whole nother time. I can't... Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in a bad mood for the rest of the day now as so if I keep, sports, if I keep thinking about Sports, this. period, is a good one. Have yourself a day, yeah, Peyton sure. Manning. Yeah, have yourself, have yourself a podcast, Rob Cassidy. So that... That'll uh, wrap it up for us. Uh, big shout to our boy, M. Deuce. You can find him. He's playing the music uh, you're hearing right now. You can find him on SoundCloud. Just search M-Deuce, uh, all spelled out. And uh, he's going to be providing us with some different stuff, I think, down the road. Uh, this M. Deuce, week, is, a, M. Deuce be... is a confirmed executive platinum uh, aristocrat. Definitely not his own two-sitter. Well, I saw a video of M. Deuce's daughter, uh, speaking of social media, tearing it up in soccer and she is dominating out there on the west coast so uh once we get once we get our soccer recruiting website up and running uh we'll be on the lookout for her as well so so big shout to him and his family uh you can find us on twitter rob is at cassidy underscore rob i'm at rivals woody and uh, we'll be back with another episode next week <laughs>